35. Economics in One Lesson, Excerpts, Henry Hazlitt, 1946. Henry Hazlitt, 1894-1993, was a journalist who wrote on economic affairs for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Newsweek, among many other publications. The art of economics consists in looking not merely at the immediate, but at the longer effects of any act or policy. It consists in tracing the consequences of that policy not merely for one group, but for all groups. Page 5. But there is a decisive difference between the loans supplied by private lenders and the loans supplied by a government agency. Each private lender risks his own funds. Opening parenthesis. A banker. It is true. Risks the funds of others that have been entrusted to him. But if money is lost, he must either make good out of his own funds or be forced out of business. When people risk their own funds, they're usually careful in their investigations to determine the adequacy of the assets pledged and the business acumen and honesty of the borrower. Page 27. Machines may be said to have given birth to this increased population. For without the machines, the world would not have been able to support it. Two out of every three of us therefore, may be said to owe not only our jobs but our very lives to machines. Yet it is a misconception to think of the function or result of machines as primarily one of creating jobs. The real result of the machine is to increase production, to raise the standard of living, to increase economic welfare. It is no trick to employ everybody, even, or especially, in the most primitive economy. Full employment, very full employment, long, weary, back-breaking employment, is characteristic of precisely the nations that are most retarded industrially. Where full employment already exists, new machines, inventions, and discoveries cannot, until there has been time for an increase in population, bring more employment. They are likely to bring more unemployment, but this time I am speaking of voluntary and not involuntary unemployment because people can now afford to work fewer hours, while children and the overaged no longer need to work. Page 41. There is no limit to the amount of work to be done as long as any human need or wish that work could fill remains unsatisfied. Pages 49 to 50. This, purchasing power, argument is, when one considers it seriously, fantastic. It could just as well apply to a racketeer or a thief who robs you. After he takes your money he has more purchasing power. He supports with it bars, restaurants, nightclubs, tailors, perhaps automobile workers. But for every job his spending provides, your own spending must provide one less, because you have that much less to spend. Just so the taxpayers provide one less job for every job supplied by the spending of officeholders. Page 53. The economic goal of any nation, as of any individual, is to get the greatest results with the least effort. The whole economic progress of mankind has consisted in getting more production with the same labor. Page 55. The progress of civilization has meant the reduction of employment, not its increase. It is because we have become increasingly wealthy as a nation that we have been able to virtually eliminate child labor. Page 56. Because the American consumer had to pay $5 more for the same quality of sweater, 
he would have just that much less left over to buy anything else. He would have to reduce his expenditures by $5 somewhere else. Page 63. Real wealth, of course, consists in what is produced and consumed, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, the houses we live in. It is railways and roads and motor cars, ships and planes and factories, schools and churches and theatres, pianos, paintings, and books. Yet so powerful is the verbal ambiguity that confuses money with wealth, that even those who at times recognize the confusion will slide back into it in the course of their reasoning. Page 146. Economics, as we have now seen again and again, is a science of recognizing secondary consequences. It is also a science of seeing general consequences. It is the science of tracing the effects of some proposed or existing policy not only on some special interest in the short run, but on the general interest in the long run. Page 175. 